Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to me. I'm Marty Leeds, Brother Marty Leeds, teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart. We got a little bird here today. We got a guy. I don't know why he's not hanging with his mama, but what are you doing? Do you want to say hi to the church peeps? Huh? Why don't you go hang out with your mama, huh? Huh? Anyway, welcome, everybody. Thank you all for being here this morning. We do service every Sunday, as you guys know. That's why you're here, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. No, we're not going anywhere with the sermons. Um, as you guys know, the site is shut down and that sort of stuff, and we'll take care of that all at the end. We'll do all the thank yous and all that stuff we'll do at the end from now on. So we're just gonna we're just gonna launch right into it. So uh, thank you all for being here this morning. We are streaming to Rockfan, and apparently we are streaming on Odyssey now. I don't know how we got that to work, but we did. So if you want to go check us out on Odyssey, we have I think five followers over there. One of them's my mom, the other one's my dad, the other one's my wife, and I think Willie got an account started somehow. But so anyway, if you want to follow us on Odyssey, there, there's, that's up and running. So today we're going to do Matthew chapter 6. God will provide is what this one's called. God will provide. And we're going to be putting that to the test moving forward, my wife and I. So let's do a prayer. God, who is more than we can ever comprehend, help us to seek you and you alone. Help us to stand before all that we could do and seek what you would do, and do that. Lift us from our need to achieve all that we can be and instead surrender to what you can be in us. Give us ways to refrain from the busyness that will put us on edge and off center. Give us today your peace. Amen. And that's really what we're going to talk about today, basically putting ourselves in God's hands. As that's, that's, that's what this is all about. So we're going to do Matthew chapter 6. And we just did chapter five last week, and that was all of Jesus's um, basically all red letter, him speaking, and it's kind of sort of the same thing uh, in this chapter. So let's just launch into it. Not going to be too, uh, I don't think we're doing any gematria today. No star study as far as like correlation, constellation, stuff like that. Really what we're going to try to do is just extract, extricate the, 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 you know, the philosophical and spiritual message from Jesus and what exactly he's saying. So... Um, all right. And so we'll read all the super chats, all the thank yous. If anybody has any questions, we'll take care of all of that at the end. And that's what we're going to do moving forward. So we can just keep this at a good pace. So let's do it. Chapter six, numero uno. Oh, here we go. Okay. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Okay. Uh, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, comma, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. I guess we're going we're gonna to do just a hair of gematria. I just want to point something out. So let's just pick apart those th a few lines right there. First thing I want to say is something that I've talked a lot about, and we're going to, I think, focus on this moving forward, is really looking at how mystical the, our language is, the, the English language, of course. I brought this up before about how, you know, we really don't have the history of a lot of this stuff. We don't have an objective record of history of what's happened with the English language and stuff like that over the years. But we do know that, you know, um, as far as our language is concerned, that it is very um, poetic, right? Like, and I've, I've brought up things before, like listen and silent and ocean and canoe. Those are anagrams for one another. All of these 
things that are injected into our language. It's been said that William Shakespeare, a poet, one of the greatest poets of, you know, uh, at least modern history, uh, poet and, you know, great prose and all that sort of stuff, one of the greatest literary figures is said to have written 17, you know, contributed seven, over 1,700, I've, I've heard up to 2,500 words in our English language. So a poet, a poet was responsible for many of the words that we use in a common everyday, um, you know, language. And we don't break we don't break apart our, our, you know, this this medium enough. And so I really want to do that moving forward. So when it says you're giving your alms, right? That's what it says in Matthew 6, 1. Uh, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, colon. Um, and your alms, now just look at alms. Alms, psalms, and palms, right? Alms is money or food given to poor people. So when you do your alms, what you're doing is obviously you're you're being charitable. You're being philanthropic, that sort of thing. You're like, oh, this person needs help. I'm going to extend my hand out. I'm going to extend a hand out and say, I'm going to help you. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? So look at psalms, alms, palms, right? What is the psalms? It's a sacred sim, song, or hymn, excuse me. Alms is, of course, money given to the poor. Look at all of these, you know, the, the, how close these words are. When, um, you know, it says, do not, you know, uh, take heed that you do not do your alms before men. When, you know, people like give charity and stuff like that, a lot of times what they're doing is that they want to, they want to receive something back from it. They're not doing it because they want to just be charitable. They're like, I want to help. That's it. There's, there's no, there's, there's nothing behind it. There's no ulterior motive. There's no like, well, if I do this good thing, then I'll get the attaboy and the pat on the back. God doesn't care about that at all. In fact, he, what God is saying is that if you are, are, are trying to express, you know, um, you know, what's be charitable and given sort of that sort of stuff with the expectation that, oh, all of these people are going to see me and I'm going to be the good boy. God's not going to reward that. God wants you to be heartfelt, honest, pure, sincere, and want to do things because it's the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. That's it. God sees right through all the nonsense. And of course, what it, it, this is the second line. And who does Jesus lay at the doorstep of people being, um, you know, wanting their, you know, their adulation from men. Well, it's uh, the hypocrites do in the synagogues. They sound the trumpet before men. Be look, look at all the, like, look at all the good things that we do. Look, oh, we're helping all these poor people. We're helping all the immigrants. We're helping blah, 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 blah. Right? We know the amount of like NGOs and stuff like that that are behind the immigration movements and the media and stuff like that. So many times these people will come out and, and be like, oh, look how great we are. And really what they're doing is being complete hypocrites. God sees right through all of that, of course. And basically he's saying when you give, right, when you have care and compassion, and it has to start in here and it has to be from a pure place. If it doesn't, it's pointless. We actually covered this when we did uh, the book of Mark, where it basically talks about this one woman that goes up to give money, right? And she didn't have much at all. She had like a few little farthing, or farthings or whatever they're called, little few little pennies that she gave. But she gave everything, meaning that what she gave, she meant it. She meant it. There were all these other people around that they were shelling out money, and God's like, I don't care. No, it means nothing. You have to mean it, right? So this is all about the internal spiritual world. That's what it's about. He's saying, Jesus is coming and saying like, look, you've got to go in here. Just as we covered last week, you have to you know, purify the whole thing. And then from there, 
then give. Remember when we said, hey, when you go to your altar, make sure you're not in an argument with your with your brother over here. Clear the air. Make sure you guys are even, Stephen. Then come to the altar. Then come and give me your gifts because I don't want anything from you unless it's pure. Because I'm God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your detritus and your, you know, your, your, uh, your, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Um, when thou doest the alms, putting the hand out, this is really what it means, putting a hand out. Um, let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth. This is all about being in secret. Now, I notice how alms is putting a hand out. It's the alms, it's the palms. Then a few lines later, it's like, don't let the left hand know what the right hand doeth. All of these references to hands. How many times have we covered throughout the last decade that we've talked about hands and how, hey, the triangulation of the number seven's on your hands. Hey, the number 180's on your hands. Hey, the, you know, the, the lunar month can be calculated on your hands. Hey, we got the, you know, literally the period of uh, where the, where the, um, you know, the egg drops in the mother's womb, that sort of thing. That periodicity is on your hands. Hey, there's a mathematical, you know, there's a, a, a multiplication table on your hands. Hey, we can measure the sun with your hands. Down to the 15-minute segments. Hey, we can put Genesis 1-1 in English and Hebrew on your hands. All of these things, God has put right here. And all of these cryptic things that are being mentioned here are trying to get you to understand that. Here are the palms and the psalms and the alms and don't let the left hand do the right hand. And then give a hand out. These are all genius, absolutely genius, subtle references to help you understand that God is giving you a perfected template of his design right in front of you. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. All of these things, when you give a handout, okay? This is all about, of course, we've talked about, this is something we'll cover in the future, the alchemical hand of the mysteries. All of these references to the hand, why? Because it's a template for, you know, God's design. You're made in his image, we'll cover that. Um, but when thou doest the alms, doest alms, let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth. This is the only gematria we're going to do today, but I just want to show you this. So this is gematria. This is left hand and right hand, right? So I did this little riddle once and I said, if you're looking for the reason you're seeing 333, three, three, just number up your hands and count them all between. I said, if you're looking for the reason you're seeing 333, three, just number up your hands and count them all between. What do I mean? Left hand equals 32 and right hand equals 42. So... Before, so if, I'll, I'll get back to this. I'll show you this. So if you add 32, um, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, if you add the numbers between 32 and 42, it equals 333. Three, three, three. So a lot of people have over the years have said, oh, I keep seeing 333. Three, three. It's the, you know, quote unquote, the witching hour of the, you know, rep digits. I constantly see this number. Why? Why? You know? Well, in Gamatria, according to our mystical language, that number is literally encoded between your hands. The notice the right hand it, in the Bible. It talks all day long, and I'll cover the. I'll get to the three through three in just a second. In the Bible, it says all day long about oh, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of the Father and the right hand of Prince and a Savior and the right hand of God exalted and the right hand of the power of God. You hear this all over the Bible. This is just a, a few examples of the right hand. Okay, now. Starting this whole thing, starting this whole chapter of Matthew, we entered into this book. When we got into the New Testy here, we entered into the book, and the first thing that we were given was what? The 42 generations to Jesus Christ. 
42 generations to Jesus Christ. We were even given them split up into three fourteens. Why? Because the Bible is encoded and so is our language. Um, the generations of Christ were 42. Why 42? Well, we covered that. Why three fourteens? It's a subtle reference to pi. 42 is where you find 13 plus 14 plus 15. And that's, you know, uh, once again, using a hair of creativity, you can see that God in the unfolding number line has given us 31415. The number is 2 pi. Right where you find that, you find the number 42. So, Let's go back to this here. So all of this, so uh, all of this stuff that sitting on the right hand of the Father and at the right hand, and you'll be exalted in the right hand, and all of these right hands, right? And then we go and look at our actual hands and the gematria of right hand, and what is it? It's forty-two. It's forty-two. It's what we started this whole book of Matthew all about. Was forty-two. So once again, there's the. Um, Left hand equals 32, right hand equals 42. Adding the numbers between 32 and 42 equals 333. 333, okay? Now, this is a book, this is a Masonic book. It's uh, basically the Lodge Proceedings, and I'm not supposed to have it. I actually have two copies of it. I got one from my friend, um, and he's just like, look, I'm not going to need this. You're going to use it a lot more than I have. And then actually, when I was at Flattoberfest, somebody had one of these books. Their, their grandpa was a Mason, and then people were like, oh, it's an encoded book. I don't know what to do with it. Give it to Marty Leeds. So I have two of these. I'm not even supposed to have any. But this is an old one. This was printed from, and this is the Lodge Proceedings, okay, in, in the, um, for Masons. So this was printed in copyright 1894, and then it was reprinted, this one, I think, in 1951. And this is the first page, and I just want to show you guys this. You see what that says there? The first page starts out with 333. Well, why? What were those silly masons doing? <laughs> why 333? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Is it pagination? I'm missing 332 pages. Or the masons were trying to pass on this information to us. Why the right hand of the father? Why not why not the left hand? Well, you know, just so you know, there's there's mathematics to that. 42. It's literally what the book starts out with, the 42 generations of Jesus Christ. So, all of this stuff with the hands. This is the point I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, that I'm making here. In these first verses, it's hands all day long. Your hand out and then right hand and left hand and alms, the whole bit. Okay, so I just want to point that out, all of this stuff. Now, it also says this, and this is all, this just shows how incredibly cryptic the language that's being used in the Bible is, right? It says here in Matthew 6, 4, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. When you see your father in secret, right? And we'll get to this to the end, too. What is secret? A secret is a cult. That's what it is. That's what it is. When something is secret, it means it's hidden. It's occulted. The, the references to things being occulted or hidden is, is all over the Bible. All over it. And yet, if you ask modern Christians, like, well, I'm into the occult. Like, blah, you know, they freak out, you know. It's like, no. It's And it even says it's glorious that God that hides things. And it's honorable when people go to seek out what God has hidden. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, to occult a thing, to secret a thing, to hide a thing, to keep it away from men. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. 
to search out what God has hidden. This is once again, uh, and then we'll move on. But this is the this is literally how classic biblical exegesis is done. So in other words, when when people go to study the Bible, there's been a long-standing method, and it's called the patristic approach. It's called the parades. It's called hermeneutics. A lot of different things, right? And it's a fourfold approach: literal, moral, allegorical, anagogical. So in other words, when you go to read the story, oh, Jesus is walking along and, you know, he did this and saved this person. Okay, when you're reading that, there's four levels to that story. There's a literal, which is literature. There's a moral. There's an allegory, which we all know what that is. And then at the end, there's a secret. There's a hidden. There's an occult. There's an anagogical. This is standard biblical exegesis. Not only that, the Bible, according to right from the words of Jesus' mouth, he's literally telling you, your father in heaven, has been occulted, hidden. Guess where he's hidden? Well, it tells you, in you. Literal, moral, a- allegorical, anagogical is the last one. Anagogical, the term anagogical means occult. That is the most precise synonym and most concise definition of the word. So in other words, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, right, that sort of thing, is occulted. There's a hidden secret nature to it. When you get to the anagogical, it's not just four. There's four levels, but when you get to the anagogical, what it does is open up the entire thing. Because that, when you get to that, that's when you start bringing in the anatomy. That's when you start bringing in the astrotheology. That's when you start bringing in the geometry. That's when you start bringing in the, the you know, the Kabbalah and the Gematria. That's when you start bringing in the, everything else that comes with it that we, that we discuss, right? The linguistics and the etymology, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. So, in other words... Jesus is saying specifically, seek out the occult. That's what he's saying. Let's read it again. That thy alms, when you give, when you're, when you're charitable to the world, when you give out to the world, all of that stuff is done in the spiritual secret. Why? Because you're not seeking reward from men or materiality. The reward that you, that you seek, as we'll find out, is the greatest reward that you could possibly receive, is done in here and that what you're seeking out is eternal life. Now it says, this is, this is once again, this is something. And it says, um, call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. And a lot of people, you know, it's like literalist. What the hell do you do with this? Do you not call your dad, dad? Like, hey, father. No, it's like, you can't do that. You're going to hell. Well, it doesn't make any sense, right? What is, what is the deeper message here? Literalist, I mean, what the hell do you do with this? I don't know. But when you say call no man your father on earth, is that the father in heaven is the father to all fathers, all men, right? So when that number one is saying you always look to the to the being that has your best interest in heart, has your best interest in mind, knows exactly what you need, knows exactly the course in your life, knows exactly the destiny that you're, you're supposed to fulfill. Guess what your dad doesn't know? Any of that shit, none of it, right? How many, now I'm not saying like my father was an absolutely wonderful man, great, great man. A lot, of, a lot of people's fathers are. But I also know a lot of men that actually grew up and their dad was like, well, you really need to do this and get the all the money and make sure you have this and it would be really good if you became a lawyer. And was like, you know, that it's their, their view of success for their child was having the house on the hill and the doctorates and the, you know, you know your, your degrees on the wall and, you know, blah, 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 that sort of thing. And guess what? God is like, well, maybe that's the right way for you, but, um, you know, that sort of thing. But 
you know, uh, maybe it's not. But your father on earth here is like, well, that's what you should do. You really need to go to, you know, Harvard and spend $120,000. And you're like, well, no, Harvard's full of shit. I don't want to do that at all. Your father in heaven knows that. Your father in heaven's like, yes, you are true. You are correct. Stanford and Yale are full of shit. But your father on earth is probably like, well, I really want you to become the lawyer. Okay? So this is why it's saying, call no man father. Always seek for the higher advice. This isn't to say don't list your father or anything like that. You know, no, you respect the parents, that sort of thing. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, your dad doesn't know what's best for you. Your father in heaven does. Okay? Okay. <clears throat> Once again, this is all about in the internal world. You do things because it's the right thing to do, not because you're going to receive adulation and an attaboy for it. Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They're going to get what's coming to them. They're going to the streets and be like, look how pious I am. Look at all the great things I'm doing. And that's why you should, that's why you need to follow me and blah, 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 blah. Right? They're doing it for earthly uh, adulations, congratulations, okay? But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, is occulted, hidden within you. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly, okay? I just want to say this, okay? So this comes from, so everybody get that thus far. This comes from Albert Pike, um, Morals and dogma. And I've read this before. And this is, you know, when I read this, you know, getting into masonry and things like that. Now, I'm not a mason, but, you know, I read lots of mason books. And a lot of masons will just call me an honorable mason and stuff like that, even though I don't pay lodge fees and stuff like that. But, you know, I read this sort of stuff from masons. And I was like, why am I not reading this from, you know, modern Christians? Okay, let's read this. It says, to make honor and duty the steady beacon lights that shall guide your life vessel over the stormy seas of time. To do that which is right to do, not because it will ensure you success, or bring with it a reward, or gain the applause of men, or be the quote-unquote best policy, more prudent and more advisable. You do things because it is the right thing to do, and therefore ought to be done. To war incessantly against error, intolerance, ignorance, and vice, and yet to pity those who err, to be tolerant even of the of intolerance to teach the ignorant and to labor to reclaim the vicious are some of the duties of a mason the mason regards god as a moral governor as well as an original creator as a god <clears throat> at hand and not merely one afar off in the distant of infinite space into the remoteness of past or future eternity etc etc he conceives of him as taking a watchful and presiding interest in the affairs of the world and as in influencing the hearts and actions of men. You do what's right because it is the right thing to do. End of story, period, full stop. You don't do what's right so you can go get the attaboy and the congratulations and a bunch of money you know, shoved under your door. It's as simple as that. God wants... When you, when you give and when you, when you, with your thoughts and your hearts, he wants it to be 100% pure. He doesn't want even 99% is like, well, I'm going to give 10%. And then all of these people over here, then I'll write the name and I'll get a little plaque and they'll put it up at the lodge or, you know, in the local store that said, this person did this and that's why this person is, you know, pious and wonderful. 
God's saying, forget all that. Do what's right because it's the right thing to do. And I will see that. I'll see it in here. I'll see it up there. And I'll take care of business. Okay? It's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. <sighs> Let's go here. Now, remember, we just talked about the, the synagogues and the hypocrites. Right? <laughs> I wonder who he's speaking about. Who are the scribes? People that scribble out, they scribe out the Old Testament. That's what the hypocrites are. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees are. And this is who Jesus is specifically referencing multiple times within the first few lines. He's like saying, look, uh, don't be as those people are. Because they're doing in the streets and they're trying to get the adulation and the attaboy. Don't do that. When thou prayest, enter into the closet, go inside. And when thou hast shut the door. This is meditation, by the way, too. Right? You're going within and you're, go you're going into silence. When thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret, and the Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Then it says this. But when ye pray, comma, use not vain repetitions, comma, as the heathen do. Let's talk about the heathen, all right? A lot of Christians would be like, you mean like Balderson? Actually, no. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus here is not referencing what most people think is the pagans and the that sort of thing. That's not what he's referencing. When they pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. He's literally telling you who the heathens are in the, in the verses right before, okay? Pay attention to this. This is something that's completely misconstrued by Christians. Most people think, ah, the heathen, yeah, all those, all those other religions besides Christianity kind of thing. When you pray, use not vain repetitions. Who's using vain repetitions, by the way? When those people are at the wailing wall and they're doing this and, and they're just repeating stuff in a book and, you know, almost like possessed and obsessed with it and doing this sort of thing and repeating in a repetition, vainly, okay? And then they speak a lot. They're, they're constantly in the media and in Hollywood and stuff like that, constantly telling you about how wonderful they are. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Don't just be like, well, oh, the Father in the heaven, do the thing. You're just repeating a bunch of stuff. Mean it. Mean it. Those people don't mean it. Who are the heathen? The heathen with the vain repetitions, perhaps literally dweller on the heath, one in, this is etymology, one inhabiting, inhabiting uncultivated land, see heath. Um, originally, it was known as the Gentile. The he, a Gentile, right? So when you actually go into the Old Testament and they're referencing heathens, okay, they're referencing what would be construed as modern-day Christians. Okay? Paganus, rural pagan, the Germanic word, might have been chosen for its resemblance to the Greek ethne, see Gentile. So the Old Testament, you and I were heathens. You and I were the people of the Old Testament even today. You and I are heathens. We're pagans right? To the people of the Old Testament. When Jesus comes along and he's speaking red letter and he's saying heathen, what is he saying? Well, once again, context, context, context. You got to read the rest of the story, right? You got to read the rest of the book and he'll tell you specifically. The heathen is known as a heathen man, one of a race or a nation which does not acknowledge the God of the Bible. Wait a second. Wait a second. Because Jesus has some thoughts about who those people those scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites, what God they were worshiping. Because the God that they were worshiping was not the God, is not the God of the Bible. 
Meaning, John 8.44, there's a few things in Revelation we could read too, but this one's good enough. John 8.44, ye are of your father the devil. That's what Jesus is saying to the scribes and the hypocrites and the Pharisees. Your father, the devil. Who's the heathen now? Because if their father is the devil, right? And Jesus is representing, right, the New Testament, stuff like that. What he's saying is that your father is not God. Your father is of the devil, which means your father is not the God of the Bible. You heathens that are doing vain repetitions in the streets so that you could be seen of men. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it, the father of all lies. So, I think we get a better idea when he says, oh, those people that are using vain repetitions that are in the street, that are trying to receive the attaboy and the adulation and the, oh, look at all what I'm doing and heard for their much speaking. <laughs> what heathen are they talking about? Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Once again, does your physical father always know what? My dad, because of, my level of crazy autistic intelligence. Most, <laughs> my dad can't understand 98% of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, right? So my dad might not know what's best for me as far as my career and that sort of stuff, right? Um, <laughs> but he, he, let me just say he's a bad father. He's a fantastic, wonderful father. That's not what I mean. But I ultimately, the I'll say this, the father in heaven, my father in heaven, knows that what I'm doing right now is what I should be doing. I should not be stuck picking up dog shit. I should not be stuck making signs for the last 12 years and, you know, directing people which way to go to the restroom. No, God the Father in heaven knows that, ah, I know what you should be doing. He, God, knew. He knew what was best of me and he knew exactly what I needed before I even asked him. So when you go and pray, right, when you say, because a lot of people will ask for things when they pray, and we tend not to do that. We don't say, like, Father, will you please, you know, make sure that blah, blah, blah. We, we tend to do thanks. We say thanks, right, when we give a prayer. When we sit down at a dinner or whatever, anything like that. We say thanks because we already know what God, that God knows what we need. So we can only do is just say, thank you for giving that to me. And at times in life, it may seem like, God, why did you give this to me? And it's only later that you figured out, Jesus, that's exactly what I need. I was being such a bitch at the time, too. Like, ah, victim, ah, right? That kind of thing. God's like, just calm down, dude. I got you. Okay? People send prayers out to God when God is as much out there as he is in us. And that's what he's saying. People will sit and they're like, oh, God in heaven, oh, pray out to this thing out here. Yeah, he's out there. He's everywhere. But ultimately, 
the closest place he is is what? Within you. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Pray to the Father which is in secret. Go in. Shut the door. Shut the door. Go into the closet. Right here, this is where your spiritual battle takes place. Ephesians 3 um, 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. That's where the battle takes place. That's where your spiritual battle takes place. Right? And people are like, no, we fight. We're always fighting things on high. Right? Haven't you read Ephesians Put on the whole armor of God, Marty, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And where's the devil? Where do we see the devil was? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. They're correct. We don't. This isn't a battle of flesh and blood, that sort of thing. But against principalities, against powers, guess what those are? Angles that are where? On the tree of life, which is where? Right there, we've covered this. But against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, comma, ends up with this, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay, where is that spiritual wickedness? Where's the devil? We're going to put on the full armor of God and go fight the devil. Where is he? Oh, it's the, de it's the pole star. It's right there. Oh, there's the Draco and it's wrapping around and we want to get to that center. There's the devil. Ah, oh, the wilds and the tempting and that sort of thing. We're going to go up and cut that off. And where is all this happening? This out there is a reflection of what goes on in here. That out there. The whole, one of the, one of the great mystical... Um, realizations that you'll come to is that the in and the out, the out and the in are connected. And that's exactly what Jesus talked about in the, 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 the previous chapter. <clears throat> he was saying, like, you have to do it in here. It's not just good enough to make your actions out here and be seen of men. Like, oh, look at how awesome I am. You have to mean it. So the spiritual wickedness in high places, where is that devil? Right here. You're fighting him. It's in the spiritual high places. And guess where that high place is? Guess where Jesus is as well? It's in the head. Where... The devil, the serpent, took him up to a high... Ooh, we're going to kundalini this shit. Watch. Watch. The serpent took him up to a high place. <laughs> Fought him there. And what did he say? Get gone. And what remained? The lamb. The battle goes on in here. That's what, that's what Christ is saying. So when we say, your father in heaven, it says, the first one, let's go back here. Your father in heaven. <clears throat> it's the first thing it says. Your father which is in heaven. Well, where's heaven? <laughs> where's heaven? We already know. It's within. I'll get I'll get back to that. This is this is your zodiac man as well. Once again, this is why we always talk about the zodiac man. The zodiac man is a specific idea to solidify as above, so below. The out there and the in there and here are, are one. There is no separation. This is also where the Axis Mundi comes from. It's the same It's the same idea. The Zodiac Man, the Axis Mundi, exactly what Jesus is saying, last chapter in this one. Those two, you, you can't separate them. What's going on in here is going to reflect what's going on out there. They're one and the same. Okay? When we just talked about the, you know, the, the devil in the high places, and once again, the Axis Mundi, this is the, the axis of your... Your body reflects the axis of the whole thing. Why? Because you're made in God's image. God took the, whole, the entirety of his whole thing and is like, ah, I'm going to make an image of this, a reflection, a fractal. 
okay? And brought it all the way, all down. Now, um, what does it say? But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Think about this. Also vain repetitions. I also want you to think about this. Does anybody, you know, nearly all churches today have lost the esoteric meaning to the rituals they perform. And this is very clear to anybody that has a critical thinking mind, right? It's obvious that when you go and you take the body, you go to a Catholic service and they put this little wafer on you and say, this is the body and blood of Christ. And then people do this all that's happening right now, right? What the heck does that mean? Right? Most people have no, it's like, is it really the body and blood? Like, what does this mean? Now, for those of you that, you know, shameless book blood, but I actually cover the Eucharist in Lord Jesus Christ and, um, talk about what the spiritual meaning of that is. Why the body and blood? Why are you taking this in? You know, that sort of thing. So we, we cover that. I'm not going to go over that here. But I think all of us could probably agree that if you ask most people, what does this mean? Like, for, for instance, you're going to take the Eucharist in the Catholic Church and you went in and was like, but you would probably get a thousand different answers. That's because when people don't even know what it means. So they're going through the motions. They're doing vain repetitions, right? This sort of thing. Our Father who art in heaven, blah, blah, blah. Wait, what does that mean? What does all that stuff mean? Otherwise, it's just vain repetitions. You're not meaning any of it. You're putting the 10% 10, 10 in that basket because, right, do you really mean it? Or is it because, oh, well, this community around, I just want to show, you know, the next basket's going to go to the Johnsons and I want to make sure I put that hundo in there. They don't know what any of this stuff means, nor are they trying to pursue the, the actual mystical meaning of it. In fact, most of these churches have cut off the anagogical. The very thing that Jesus Christ is saying, seek out the occult, go within. It's all happening in here. They're like, they, they're saying, blah, that's, no, nah, that's bad stuff. You know, <clears throat> that's where we are. That's where we are in our modern day world. So then it goes and says this. Then it gives you the Lord's Prayer. Okay. It says, um, after this manner, let's go here quick. So know your father. He knows what you need. Okay. Now you're going to ask your father this sort of thing, right? You're going to pray to your father. It says after this manner, and we'll talk about why he's known as a father here in just a second. Okay. Well, isn't this like, you know, patriarchal and, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. We'll get into that. Once again, all of the meaning is lost when you lose the poetry. When you lose the mysticism, you lose the esoterica. The foundation of the Bible is that. When you look at the fourfold patristic approach, right? This top layer, that's like the, that's like the, it's not even the primer. It's like the second layer of, of paint, okay? You got the literal, that's like the second layer of paint. Then you got the moral, that's like the first layer of paint. Then you got the allegorical, that's the primer, okay? Then you get down to the, like the anagogical or the occult, the mystic, the secret, that sort of thing. That's the damn house, okay? So what the modern churches have done have taken away the foundation in the house and all you're left with is chips of paint and primer and, you know, you don't know what it is. It's just a freaking mess, okay? So, um, so when you get to that anagogical, this is the foundation of, of really extracting the higher meaning from any of it. Nearly all of the modern churches have taken that out. And you guys know it. It's not some big secret. It's not like I'm saying anything that's like profound here or anything. I'm not. Okay. After this manner, this is the Lord's prayer. Okay. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We'll cover that. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, first off, most people would be like, well, that's not how I remember the Lord's Prayer, right? And so a lot of people, I, I honestly couldn't believe when I heard this that people were saying this because, so I hope I don't offend anybody here, but people would claim that the Lord's Prayer was a Mandela effect. And as soon as I heard this, I was like, whoa, I'm sorry, but we need to start educating some people, right? No, not even close. Like, it wasn't like, oh, the, the Lord's Prayer is exactly how we read it in Luke and Matthew. No. In fact, there's a book called it's the Anglican Book of Prayer, Common Book of Prayer. This is the proceedings of the liturgy. There's like, you know, then there's a bunch of prayers in here. There's a lot of stuff in here, right? But this book has been known for literally years. The, the text of 1549, 1559, you know, it's been around for a really long time. When you actually read what's in here, which is what is said in the liturgy, that's exactly what you remember. It's exactly what you said. Why? Because the Lord's Prayer that you read in church does not come directly from the Bible. Let me say that again. For those people that are misconstrued about this, the Lord's Prayer as you read in your Catholic church does not come directly from the Bible. It never did. Okay? You can actually find it, and if you Google this, it'll literally be one of the first things that comes up, is where the where the Lord's Prayer originated. So a lot of people came at and actually got really hot at me, like calling me a shill and all this other stuff because I was literally just correcting them on something that is 1,000% verifiable, okay? No, it's not a Mandela effect. This is what you read in church. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Is is that what you remember? Reciting all those years and it never made any sense to you and you're like, oh, now you're a recovering Catholic and now you're at some Gnostic guy's church because none of that shit made sense and they didn't do anything to help you make sense of any of it. So is that what you read? That's because that's what you actually read. That's what you recited. That's what you memorized. Okay? It's not what is found in the Bible. And there's a couple different places, like I said, Luke. So this is literally the first thing that comes up in a Google search. So, you know, it's exactly what you recited, exactly what you remember. So no, it's not a Mandela effect at all. Here's an old the Book of Common Prayer. It's, it's a very well-known book. Okay, so let's go back into, uh, start taking this apart. So no, it's not a Mandela effect. Not even close, okay? Uh, and I'll just say this and then I'll let it go. It's terrible research for people that had said that. That's, that's it. There, you did no research, okay? And I'm just trying to help. That's all. Okay, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means sacred. Means God's name is sacred. And now we have modern Christians that can't, that argue like Jesus and Jesus and stuff like that. Are I hear you typing. Are people yelling at me, Jennifer? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet? Okay, good. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. All right, good. Um, 133 watching. Illuminati confirmed. Okay, let's talk about the Lord's Prayer and what all this means. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, cool. So um, this is called the Paternoster, right? And it's, it's, it's called the Lord's Prayer, of course. It's a word formula repeated as a prayer or a magical charm. 
Now, let's, um, so it immediately says our father in heaven. So let's stop and let's talk about why is this, is this a patriarchal thing? I thought it was, where's the mother? It was like, you need a father and mother's great things. Why are we praying to a father and not a mother? That sort of thing. Okay, well, first off, let's look at father, okay? Um, father in etymology definition, he who begets a child, any lineal male ancestor, of course, or the supreme being is known as the father, okay? Father comes from the Sanskrit pitar, Greek, the pater, Latin pater, and that, so that's where we get the word father. And that actually is a reference to um, patron. So a lord master who protects, supports, or encourages is a, a patron. Also a freed slave from the advocate, from pater, gen, generative patris, father, see father. A doublet of pattern. A doublet of pattern. So our father who art in heaven. Pay attention. Our father who art in heaven. Now we go to the etymology of father. And what does it tell us? Patron, Father, the Creator, the Supreme Being of all things, as we know. And um, it's a doublet of pattern. Pattern is a modern English variant of Patron. Outline, plan, model, and original proposed for imitation. So, Old French Patron, Patron, Protector, Model, Pattern, Pattern. Our Father, who art in heaven. Our patterns, who art in heaven. The, the pattern noster is, noster mean pattern, of course, means the pattern, right? Also reference to the father, patron, protector, that sort of thing. Um, noster comes from nostratic, um, which is a pertaining to a proposed metafamily of languages, etc., etc. Essentially means are. Um, it also comes from nostrum. Now, pay attention because we've been talking about how there's no possible way that you could ever understand what Jesus was saying when he says, ye are the salt of the earth and some of the other things that we talked about last Sunday. There's no way you could possibly understand that stuff without doing a due diligence, you're, you know, a, a solid study in alchemy, okay? Because what Jesus is saying is alchemical, okay? Now, when you look at the Lord's Prayer and you look up nostratic or nostrum, like so pater, noster, the pattern, the father, right? And then it says noster. It actually comes from nostratic or nostrum. It's a medicine made of secret ingredients by secret methods. What is nostrum? Pater noster. Father pattern nostrum. Nostrum, it comes from a medicine made of secret ingredients by secret methods. Occult. What is the secret ingredients made by secret methods? That might as well be a definition of alchemy. What is the medicine? Is it the Philosopher's Stone? Is it the is it the universal panacea? Made of secret ingredients by secret methods. When does the, the alchemist works in secret, right? That's a classic sort of riff, you know, uh, trope on al the alchemist and stuff like that. Where is he doing his work in secret? So the pater noster, okay? Let's also look at the fact that pattern, you have pater and mater. Mater means mother, of course, and that is what? The material world. So while we're doing our Father in heaven and praying up, and it's also going on in here, we're on earth, we're beings on earth, we are in the bosom of Mother Earth. Now, most Christians, if you said, told them, like, Mother Earth, they would get all offended, be like, well, that's not in the Bible. There's loads of things that's not in the Bible, dude, right? Like, any of the hardly any of the names of the constellations, a whole spectrum of English words, zodiac, trinity, alchemy, 
any of the terms and most of the terms and phrases that would be attributed directly to alchemy are not in there, right? There's loads and loads of stuff that's not in the, the quote unquote, not in the Bible, but absolutely is in the Bible. So what you actually have is the direct difference between what? The father in heaven, the patterns in heaven and the material mother earth. We are on earth. We are in the bosom. We are protected by Mother Earth. We're in the material world as spiritual beings. And we, we, you know, we look up in this sense, looking up and looking in to the Father in heaven, to the patterns in heaven, the patterns in heaven. All of these Venus and Mars and Mercury and the moon and all of those other, all those celestial objects, all of these celestial lights circling and flickering throughout the night are all dancing along to God's cosmic song. What do we, when we look up at the stars, once again, as, as we clarify, because we're just honest, what are the stars? I don't know. How far away are they? I don't know. What are they made of? Light? What else? I don't know. How long have they been up there? I don't know. They're metaphysical, so we can't go up there. We can't go up there and actually like, oh, let's grab this, let's grab Mars and red, you know. No, there's not a car roving around on Mars. No, there's not a bu a buggy up on the moon and stuff like that. No, none of that's that's going on. So when we look to the heavens, what can we do as human beings? What is the only thing, one of the only things that God gave us the ability to do? Map and track the patterns that God put in heaven, the Father, the patterns. If I asked you how many days in the solar year, 365, if we were all educated anyway, which we, you know, unfortunately we all were, you know, went through the school system, right? The educational curriculum and got our minds all effed up. So, but if we were learned and educated people, we would chances are know the, you know, the, the paths of these things. Like you would know the lunar cycles, you would know that Venus is 225 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we look up and we map and track the, the patterns of the, the sky, what are we doing? Mapping and tracking God's design and order. His patterns. That's all we can say any of that stuff is. The only thing we can do is look at the patterns and be like, oh, well, there's obviously some design here. Think about the heliocentric model by for a second too. You know, you're like, oh, we're, it was like, uh, we're, what are we, like traveling 66,000 miles an hour or something like that, and we're tilted at 23.4 degrees, and then we're whipping at 1,037.5 miles an hour at the equator, and then we're traveling around the sun, which is going at like, what, half a million miles an hour and stuff like that. And yet for year after year after year after year, after decade after decade, after millennia after millennia, what stays the same? All of these patterns stay the same. The moon, same pattern. As far as we know, since the beginning of time, Mercury is 88 days. Venus is 225. The sun is 365. All of these patterns, nothing has changed throughout the core, as far as we know, throughout all of time. As far as we know, right? That's why we can go back and look at ancient writings and be like, yes, and the moon was 29.53 days and that sort of thing, right? All of these patterns, God has dictated and ordained those patterns and they're perfect and beautiful and it's artistry. It's artistry. So what relationship do we have with the sun? Well, oh, it's bright and brings me joy and vitamin D and I collect the energy from my solar panels. So like, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, great. What else can we do with the rest of the lights? Essentially nothing but track and map their patterns. Our Father, um, who art in heaven, 
I don't know. Would you call this art? This is called the Kiss of Venus. You guys know this? That at least according to the helio nonsensical model, that the Kiss of Venus happens every 584 days or something like that, right? And so after a while, um, I'm not going to go over this too much because you guys can look it up and that sort of thing. We got more things to cover. But basically this is what, and this comes from the Earth perspective. This is what the relationship between Earth and Venus looks like in the sky. If you would map and track that, this is, of course, they do this on the computer. They're modeling it. I don't know. I would say that God's a great artist. He art in heaven, <laughs> right? In fact, it was so funny because I was getting ready to do this. And my, my brother, Ange, brother Ange, brother, he, he just posted this this morning. He said, the trajectory patterns of five planets is seen from Earth, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. God, who art, our father, our, our heavenly patterns, right? Um, that, my friends, is called design. That's called perfection. Uh, Psalms 19.1, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. His handiwork. The cycle of the moon, right? That pattern of the moon, that's on your hands, right? That's one, one of the ways they map it. So he's showing his, his, his artistry. He's a chief musician. Think about it. Right? Modern science and that sort of stuff, and of course religions aren't helping you understand the poetry and that sort of stuff with this, but modern science is basically saying this is a haphazard, like, chaotic mess and stuff like that, and things are flinging everywhere. And then people will come along and, like, rip on... I've heard this recently, lately, like, but, like several people, like, yeah, Pythagoras was a Satanist and he just worshipped numbers. No! No, whether Pythagoras was even a real dude, probably not. But what were, what were the Pythagoreans doing? They were recognizing God's design that you could map and track God's design through math, and they realized that that was a metaphysical language. They said, the Pythagoreans allegedly said it was a harmony of the spheres. It's a harmony, it's a song, it's poetry. It's God when God, you know, taking his handiwork and across the canvas of our sky being like, ooh, this one. That's, what, that's actually what's going on in our world. That's actually what's happening. That's what the Bible is trying to tell you. Chief musician, artist, father who knows everything that you need and wants to provide it to you too. Um, our father who art in heaven. Art is, um, the simple definition of art is something that is created with imagination and skill that is beautiful or that expresses important ideas of feelings. The archaic art that, that's being referenced here is a singular form of the present tense. So, Thou art, you are, is what thou art says. So our Father who art in heaven is, this, is, a, is a sense of being, okay? Well, notice that his present tense in the sense of being of the singular form of God is what? Artistry. Design. Creativity. Of course the creator's being creative with creation. It's all over the etymology of the word, right? So let's do a little remix of the pattern Oscar. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We'll get to the in earth in just a second. The, our Father, the creator of the heavenly patterns, our Father who art who in heaven, who, who art in heaven, who with artistry and creativity made with divine artistry the patterns in the heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why is, why is Jesus' name, God's name in the sense, sacred? Number one, the tetra, this is a reference to the Tetragrammaton, which is, can't even go there. 
holy name of God, right? Um, it, it has a direct reference to Lord God in English, the Tetragram. I'm going to say this quick. Tetragrammaton equals 26 in Hebrew. Lord God equals 26 in English. I'm not going to go into that. But hallowed be thy name. Jesus's name, God, you know, in this sense, Jesus's name is sacred. It's sacred. So this book right here is proof of that. In other words, all of the, uh, what we cover in here is all of those mathematical constants, the exact same ones that you would find in any sort of just like mathematical book. Like if you were just going to go to some university and be like, listen, Professor Math Dude, tell me about some of the great mystical mathematical arts of the centuries. And then also tell me about some of the, uh, you know, main mathematical uh, axioms or universal constants that are used in all sorts of different mathematical, you know, uh, um, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> uh, genres and stuff like that, right? Trigonometry and building and blah, 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 blah. That guy is going to tell you, well, doubling the cube and squaring the circle. And then we'll talk about E and pi and phi and tau. And then we'll point out all the other, you know, significant numbers in geometry and stuff like that. That professor, and there, I even got books on this about the fact that normal everyday professors are saying that yes some of these things are some of the most important ideas in mathematics it doesn't matter if you lap on some religious shit to it at all well i'm saying a good portion of that stuff e and pi and phi and and the, the degree of phylotaxis and this number of days in the solar year and the predominance of the base 10 system all of those things that you would find with a regular mathematician you will find in his name hallowed sacred is his name and now we have people christians that go around and be like his name isn't jesus it was yeshua blah 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 no no his name is jesus it has been encoded it's been translated and uh you know encrypted within our language and it's beautiful and fantastic our father who the creator of the heavenly patterns, Father, Pater, patterns, who art in heaven with divine artistry, whose name is sacred, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Your His kingdom will come to you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What's in earth? What's in earth? It doesn't say on earth, by the way. It says in earth. This is yet again a reference directly to alchemy. Once again, I'm going to say this. Let me stop. I'm going to say this again. This is the Lord's Prayer. And I'm here to tell you, there's no way you could understand the deeper spiritual context of the Lord's Prayer unless you've done your study in alchemy. People say the Lord's Prayer, what, thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of times every day, whatever, right? And literally... I don't think majority of people know anything about it. Actually, what it what it's really all about. Nostra, remember, when you look at Nostratic, Nostrum, a medicine made of secret ingredients by secret methods. This is the pater Noster, right? That's a direct reference to alchemy. Okay, now that I've said that, let's go on. On earth as it is, in earth as it is in heaven. In earth as it is in heaven. In earth. What is in earth? This is known as vitriol. This is a one another... another you know, common alchemical theme. And it says vitriol is of course an acronym that stands for visit to, it's basically visit the interior of the earth and rectify the, what you find there. And you will uncover the occultum lapidum, 
the philosopher's stone is essentially what it is. This familiar Latin phrase means by visiting the center of the earth, going, it's, you know, different ways to say this, but you will find the philosopher's stone. So visit the interior of the earth, rectify that, and what you'll find is the occultum lapidum, the philosopher's stone. Okay? In earth. In the earth. What are we talking about? This entire thing is about what? Jesus is, you know, given this sermon, he's like, go within. You got to go into the interior and take care of everything that happens in here. Alchemy's literally saying the exact same thing. Now, now, last live stream, we, uh, we talked about how <clears throat> Jesus comes up, and we'll, we'll cover this again. Jesus, actually, I think I have it right here. Last, let's just do this. Last live stream, I'll have to go back. Last live stream, we talked about how Jesus is up and he's like, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing to be cast out and trodden under foot of man. What? What does that mean, Jesus? So we talked about the fact that there's no way you would possibly understand the words from Jesus' mouth unless, once again, you had done your study in alchemy. Okay? You're the salt of the earth. Then we go into alchemy and they clarify. The salt of the earth is the base matter. That's you. Okay? That's the base matter and it's called the salt of the earth. So it's sulfur, uh, mercury, and salt is your tria prima. It's your three main uh, ingredients in alchemy to perform the alchemical work, to go into the laboratory in secret and perform the alchemical work to produce the medicine. You're the salt of the earth. And of course, this was our salt, sulfur, and mercury. Uh, mercury is the heavens, salt is the base matter on earth, and sulfur, as we saw, was the brimstone, and it's the, the fire below, okay? Okay? So, let me said that. Let me go back to this. Here's the, here's the, this is, that was, that's what Jesus said. He's like, you're the salt of the earth. You're the base matter of the earth. And then we said, well, salt is cubic, okay? So, in other words, the body, your body, your corpus, is represented as a cube, salt. Look at this illustration. Anima, spiritus, what's the bottom one there? It's corpus. You know what corpus means? It means body. And what is it given? A cube. A cube. In other words, once again, there's no way you could possibly understand the deeper meaning of what Jesus is saying in the salt of the earth here, right? Unless you studied alchemy. Now it's saying in the Paternoster, in the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is, or in earth as it is in heaven. And what are we saying, right? This is yet another reference to the fact that you are a reflection of the whole thing. You. What happens in earth, in heaven? Well, why? Well, because where's heaven? We know. What Jesus is saying here in, um, is incredibly cryptic, incredibly, incredibly alchemical. And essentially that direct line to help us understand the Bible has been severed by every church that I know of. I'm sure there's some churches out there that might do some esoteric blah, blah. I'm sure, but, that's, but I don't know of them. And I don't know of another church that's making any sense of this stuff. Then it says this, so thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in earth, 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What is the bread? Of course, we know the bread is what? It's the bread of life. Jesus, it's the eternal life. Jesus says, you know, to the devil, I, uh, you know, I subsist off every, you know, I live for every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I live for pure truth. I live for that light of all lights. Okay. That's what he's saying. Give us this day, our daily bread. Why does it say daily? Because you need a reminder every day you wake up. You need that thing daily. You need a reminder daily. Okay. Don't just do a vain repetition though. Well, I get up every morning at 6 a.m. and I do the thing and I do the repetition and then God will see me and stuff like that. No, mean it. Um, give us this bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Of course, we read that. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What is the word of God? It's truth. Okay. Now let's look at once again. I called this the alchemy of baking bread. Right? What does bread do in when when you when you put it in the oven? Number one, you apply heat to it and it rises. Like Aries, like arise, rise. What what is this? What is the what is the energy within you supposed to do? Right, rise up to the the spiritual high place where you will you'll be tempted by a devil, and then you'll have to take care of that devil, and then you'll be resurrected in Calgary or Golgotha, which means skull. The alchemy of breaking of baking bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Look at the words that you that are surrounded. Well, first off, bread, the, the main ingredients in bread are what? Flour, yeast, salt, and water, okay? Just listen to the phonetics of what's going on. Flour, hour. Flour, hour. Yeast, east. What rises in the east? How do we dictate the hour? Is it with the sun? What rises in the east? The sun? What is it? Is it light? Is it fire? Then you have to add salt, which is what? Once again, when we understand a spiritual connection that there's, you know, there's more going on in our language. What is the salt reference? You. What's water? Well, of course, water is needed for everything. In fact, water existed before light existed, guys. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You had air... The Spirit of God moving on water before God ever opened his mouth and shined light. Of course, you can make a wheat bread, like, you know, wheat, heat, wheat, flour, our yeast, yeast, salt is what? You. That's the components of bread. The, the basic things you need to make bread. And what do you do? You put it in an oven to let it rise. You see all the symbolism here that's, that's, that's missed when... We deny the fact that our language was probably, you know, at the helm of our language as far as like making words and translating words and stuff like that was, as far as we can tell, done by a poet. That means in order to truly understand this language that we, that we use every single day, we must bring to it poetry. Most people would laugh this off and I don't care. I don't care. You, I mean, you ask most Christians, why is it bread? What is the symbolism of bread? And they're just going to look at you with a blank stare. Okay? There's a lot going on here. It's all references to the Son. Of course, who is saying this right now? The Son of God, whose father was Joseph, which means he will add, by the way. Or it was Healy, right? Which is a reference to the Son. Flour, hour, yeast, yeast, salt. So you're the salt of the earth. So the Son of God tells us. And what do you do? You apply heat to that so it rises? lots going on here okay so um yeah there's your salt of the earth so 
that is give us our day give us this day our daily bread we need that sustenance daily to remind us to remind us who our actual father is what we're doing here we need that sustenance to be like i'm living for god and god alone today and you got to remind yourself every day then it says matthew 6 12 and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors who controls today the financial system is it a bunch of scribes and pharisees same shit back then they made a prayer about it they wanted you guys to remember so bad what they did to this guy that the main symbol is him dying on a cross because they're like, oh, there's some wickedness in this world. There's some evil shit going on. Then we're going to make a prayer to our Father. And who are we going to mention in this prayer? Our debtors. And who runs the financial system back then and today? It's in the prayer. They're calling out the very people that we need to call out today. They're praying every single day, going to a church and praying and saying this. And then if you said, well, we might need to actually uh, address the fact that we've got some scribes and Pharisees and uh, Sadducees and the like in our world today, and we should probably do something about that. The prayer that Catholics would say every single morning is telling them this, and they don't, most of them have zero clue. None. Think about it. The prayer is telling you about the very people that are screwing you and screwed this dude. Then it says this. I don't know why this is never discussed. This is the Lord's Prayer, and as far as I know, this is never discussed. I actually heard one rabbi talk about this at one point. Otherwise, I'd never heard a Christian. I'm sure there are. Don't get me wrong. Um, Then it says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're forgive because we forgive them, right? It's like, oh, I know that your whole life was to go and screw people. God's gonna deal with you. I'm gonna forgive you right now, so I can go clean, right? Oh, okay, cool. You're forgiven, right? But that guy tried to remember the lawyer said he's gonna take uh, your coat, and then what did you do? I'll give you my cloak as well, so you don't have any power over me, and I'm also gonna forgive you. No power over me. I've forgiven you. Now you, the debtor, the scribe and the Pharisee and the Sadducee, you got a lot of shit you got to deal with now because you're going to have to take all that to God. I'm clean. Then it says this, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation. What? Stop. And lead us not into temptation. This is the Lord's prayer. These are Christians talking to God and saying, don't lead us into temptation? Wait a second, God doesn't lead us into temptation. The devil leads us into temptation. Why are we given the Lord's Prayer? It's saying it to God to not lead us into temptation. Does that make any sense? No, the devil, the serpent, the wiles. He is the tempter. He is the one that leads us into temptation. Here's the Lord's Prayer we're saying to, and, you're, and these people are saying, God, do you don't lead us. What? What's going on here? Okay, let's try to wrap ourselves up our heads around this and let's go into uh, first off word choice this is why i'm bringing this up this is why i've like harped on last week and then this week that there's no way you could understand this stuff unless you understand alchemy specific word choice being made here to lead 
What is also what is that word as well? Is it lead? Lead us not in temptation. Cause a person or animal to go with one, holding them by the hand, a halter or rope, while moving forward. I'm going to lead you into temptation. God, do not do this. God doesn't lead us into temptation, right? Then it says deliver. Bring in hand over. Notice both of those definitions have mentioned hands, but hand over. So deliver us away from that, right? Lead, lead, lead. Turning lead into gold. Now, once again, people are like, well, that's ridiculous. But once again, you couldn't even understand why Jesus was saying salt of the earth. None. You can't understand, once again, in earth. Why is it in earth? Unless you're, you do your study of alchemy. What is alchemy? It's turning lead into gold. Alchemy is the entire process, spiritual process, of turning lead into gold, which is purifying your spiritual body and making it perfect. So, don't lead, don't lead us into temptation. Where does God want to lead us? Into gold, right? Now, why would God lead it to temptation? Well, let's go to Albert Pike. Let's go to Albert Pike once again. He'll explain this for us. Masonry, comma, like all the religions, comma. Let's say this again. Masonry, like all the religions, just so you guys know, the, the religions that have... Um, um, the traditions, the religions, and so, that sort of stuff that have, you know, uh, really withstood over the years. And, you know, if I'm going to say this, too. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Um, a lot, I'll just say this. I'll make it easy. A lot, of these, a lot of these religions are mystery school traditions. That's what they are. They're, in this sense, they're no different than masonry. They're trying to get you into the mysteries. They're trying to get you into st- understanding the, the alchemical arts and the esoteric you know, sciences and things like that. Everything from alchemy and, and the Kabbalah and Gematria and the sacred geometry and getting into the etymology and you know, the poetry of words and that sort of thing. All of those traditions, I don't want to say all, but the, a, a lot of them are trying to get you to understand the mysteries. That's what it is. Okay. So this is what the Masons will tell you about the mystery school tradition, like the religions, Masonry, like all the religions, all the mysteries, hermeticism and alchemy conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages of the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled, to conceal the truth which it calls light from them and to draw them away from it. Truth is not... For those who are unworthy or unable to receive it or would pervert it. Then it goes on to say this. The teachers, even of Christianity, amen, Albert Pike, the teachers, even of Christianity, are, in general, the most ignorant of the true meaning of what they teach. (laughs) There is no book of which is so little known as the Bible. I'll just say that. So, they're saying in masonry, one of the things that they'll, they'll do, and once again, this is not just masonry, all the religions, all the mysteries, hermeticism and alchemy, I'm going to make this point, I want to make it strong, all the religions do this, that they will literally lead you away from truth. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they lead you away from truth? Why would they lead you away from the top of the mountain? Why would, if, the, if you know that eternal life is at the top of that mountain there, right? And it's like, ah, I'm going to get up there. And then the God himself leads you away from that. What? Why would he do that? Because you have to want it. You have to want it. 
God's just not going to make the path for you. It's a straight and narrow gate, right? He's not just going to make the path for you. He's like, go walk up, everybody, this way, this way. You pay your toll. Everybody's like, no. God himself, while you're walking up that mountain, he'll go like this. Kick you off a little bit. What? Well, God, what a prick, dude. No, no. God's saying, what is up here is so amazing, so beautiful. You and your little us, meaning us, in our little stupid material bodies can't even fathom, can't even come close to understanding how beautiful and how great eternal life is. We could not, it's just like people that have had like a psychedelic experience, right? Like you, you took a window pane of acid or whatever it is, right? You get to that point where you're like, blah, no, it's like, it's completely, you, nothing makes sense. It's complete. You can't even possibly try to understand or write out what you're thinking right there. What God's gifts, gifts of eternal life, what is promised for you after this is something so amazing and beautiful, you can't even comprehend it. God wants to make sure you really want that. God wants to make sure. This is why Jesus was saying all those things about make sure you're pure before you come up and talk to me. Don't be like, well, that guy was a freaking dick. and I, Stop. Get that out of here. Clear yourself. Clean your vessel. Show up. And if you're pure, then you'll go up. God's God will literally be like, hey, man, oh, you're on the right course. You're on the right course. Oh, but you know what? I think you might need this. You haven't done. You haven't figured this shit out in your life yet. And like, oh, I'm going to lead, lead you away from there. Why? Because he wants you to want it in the core of your being. Everything in you to say, I'm going to do what I need to do in this life so that I can get that reward. Not, not once again, why are you doing it? Is it for personal adulation and stuff like that? No. No. You do it because you know that getting to the top of that mountain is the right thing to do. And you're going to get to the top of the mountain, not because you're going to get a bunch of people around you being like, oh, look, he climbed Mount Everest. You're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And you're going to want it in the core of your being. Truth is not for those who are unworthy or unable to receive it or would pervert it. Truth is not for those who are unworthy or unable to receive it or would pervert it. It's so many people that have this problem with secret societies and stuff like that. Well, as you know, you know, you can, you know, there's so much truth that's being unveiled in the world today and stuff like that, right? And you know that you could literally tell a lot of these very truthful things to people, put all of the information in their lap, and if they're not spiritually ready, intellectually ready, emotionally ready, they won't be able to receive it. God's saying, make sure you're ready. And I'm going to make sure you're ready. So when they're saying, God, do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us, oh, 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 you know, do, do not mislead us and that sort of thing. We want to get that eternal life. So this is the lead us into temptation. Lead. Lead in gold. And then literally, what does it say? Once again, it doesn't, it doesn't, because that's not what the Bible does. It doesn't just come out and tell you, oh, it's lead and then gold. No, what does it say? Where's my graphics? I don't know. Excuse me. What does it say? But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We can't even possibly understand forever. 
We can't, there's so many things that in our mind and in our world, it's, it's a paradoxical thing. Like, how can we have free will and yet determinism? Well, you're trying to understand something that you know you can't understand. That's in the realms of God. He, he's up there. Only he can understand those things. That's a contradiction. It doesn't make, it's a paradox and stuff like that. Not in God's world. This is an app, it's a cataphatic, an apophatic statement. You guys know this? Where it's like, the, it's like these tricks that you'll do sometimes with language to say like, God is not wise. That's what, a, that's what, a, that's what would be an apophatic statement. It's like a net, it's a negation, that sort of thing. Right? And say, like, well, God is not wise. Well, no, 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 no. It's not saying God is not wise. God is beyond the idea of wise and not wise. God is beyond the idea of can and can't. God is beyond the idea of, you know, of, uh, any of those dualities. Way beyond that, something that we can't understand. And it's, it's uh, according to traditions across the world, it's a glory that's beyond our comprehension. And that's waiting for you. So you got to want it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> forgive us uh what does it say the tre the next thing it says is to trespass what is this this is a direct reference once again to the golden rule for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you this is once again just forget just oh this is the love the enemy thing just forgive them because guess what right you're just you're fighting inside right now with all this it was like oh everything that's going on in the world and screw those people and the world economic forum and the you know agenda 21 and all this other stuff and you're fighting in your head against all of this other stuff right and god is basically coming coming to be like just let that go dude i got this they're gonna have to answer to me forgive them just let it go forgive them for if you forgive your men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will for your father forgive your trespasses. Trespasses to transgress in some active manner, commit an aggression, aggressive offense to sin. So if somebody trespasses you, what do they do? They break the golden rule. Right? Of course, we find this all over the Bible. And as you would, that men should do to you, do you do also them likewise. That doesn't mean if somebody comes, I mean, the idea that somebody thought that this means like, oh, if somebody comes punch you in the head, you should do that too. No, that's not what's being said here. Uh, the idea that most, there's, there's like loads of people today that can't understand the basics of the golden rule is honestly just shocking. It's crazy. Um, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would do that men should do to you, do ye also to them. For this is the law and the prophets, right? Um, so just forgive the people that trespass, forgive them, let them go because they're going to have to deal with God. Um, all right. Sorry, give me a second. 172 watching. Wow. I think that's the most we've ever had. That's great. Thank you all for being here. Uh, 170, yeah, 175 watching. That's great. So, okay, let's keep going here. And uh, let's do one more. Let's do one thing here. Moreover, then it says Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when ye fast, not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Oh, I haven't eaten in a week and three days and I'm really sad. And look at what I'm doing because I'm so pious and I'm just living the life for God. Oh, be sad for me. Look upon me, blah, 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 blah. What are you doing it for? God's saying. 
Oh, you're doing it for, once again, your adulations and your uh, accolades and your attaboys. Stop. That they appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they will have their reward. <laughs> Jesus, the, the word choice here is just fantastic, by the way, right? But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face. When you anoint the head, what does it mean to anoint? The anointed, Christ. Purify yourself. Wash. What does it mean to wash? Wash your face. Clear. Cleanse your face. Anoint with the heavenly oil of Christ. Cleanse that entire spiritual vessel. It's the chrism. It's the oil mingled with the balm. Okay? This is what he's saying. Anoint thine head. What is the head? It's the Aries. It's the ram. It's the lamb. Once again, there's no way you could understand the deeper meaning of that without the what we could construe, we could construe as alchemical with the zodiac man. No, you know? So, wash the face. Cleanse, anoint. Every line from this is basically Jesus saying, look, you gotta cleanse in here. Lay not your treasures upon earth where moth and dust and, uh, where moth and rust doth corrupt, corrupt, <laughs> and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves the treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break nor steal. If you if you have your treasures here on earth, what is this saying? Well, thieves could just come and take that. I've got all the gold coins and silver, and I've got all this stuff backed up, and I have my, my two Polaris, you know, I've got my four-wheeler, and then I've got my, you know, got my trailer for all this other stuff and then like six car garage and you know, like my bank accounts, not like this, it's like this, cause I'm just so rich. That, that can go like that, right? Your treasure is not a material treasure. It's a heavenly treasure. And where is that heaven? Where's that spirit? It's within. This gets to the point that this, this helps us, you know, once again, you have to sort of um, really engage in your cosmology in order to understand what's being said here. The heaven above is the metaphysical. It's the unknown. It's the incorruptible. It's the incorporeal. It's the celestial. It's the spiritual. It's the spirit. Everything down here in the physical material plane is corruptible, corporeal. It's terrestrial. It's material. What was the first being in Genesis that was corrupted? Was it Eve? Yes. Okay. And so here we have the material mater, mother earth, the corrupted place, and what's in heaven, right? So this is heaven and earth. So when they talk about it, it's like, hey, there's a place, right? Lay not yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Why? Because in the material world, that's the corruptible, that's the, that's the corruptible, that's the terrestrial, that's material, right? That's that's what can be, you know, um, you know there, there's destruction, it's temporary. Then you have the opposite, which is the, the you know, the impermanent is the... Um, or excuse me, the permanent, the eternal, the metaphysical, the incorruptible. So th this is, you know, Jesus is talking specifically here about cosmology in one, in one sense, okay? All right, we are going to do, it's time for the, the plate. We're passing the plate around if you would like to support the fine work that we do at this academy and church service. I would really appreciate it. You can support us through Great Sermon Again. Thank you for all your good work, Marty and Jen. Thank you, Small X. We, uh, so we do not have memberships at the um, site anymore, and I'll talk about that at the at the very end, but we do do, um, we do do, that's right, I said do do. We do uh, Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, and we do have Subscribe Stars now, and so we're just 
changing everything over, and I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. So, but if you would like to um, support the work too, we do have a snail mail. You can make checks payable to Kevin McNally. And one seven one seven eight Country Pride Drive, Pembine, Wisconsin. My lovely wife will do do. That's right, Mark Rosen. My lovely, uh, my lovely wife will put in all of the links and stuff like that. So. for all the people that do support and see the the value in this work and see the value in this church i really appreciate that thank you um all right let's continue on matthew 6 21 for where your treasure is there will be your heart also there will your heart be also excuse me for where your treasure is comma there will your heart be also what is your treasure what's what's in a treasure chest What's in a treasure chest? What's your chest? What's in your chest? Is it your heart? What is it? Is it the sacred brain of Jesus? The sacred, mushy, gray matter of Jesus? Ah, I love that one. No, it's the sacred heart of Jesus. And so what do we talk about? What's in... You have to go... Is your heart visible outside? No. That's the Father in secret, occulted within you. So you go within, and this is what we said, you purify that, you start here and go out. You start here, you start in the, you purify the vessel, then go out. Okay? So what's in your treasure chest? What's in your chest? It's your heart. And what is your heart? It's a heart of gold. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is the treasure? It's Christ within you. It's the hope of glory. It's the gift of Gentiles. The light of the body is thy eye. Therefore, if the eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. This is a good one, right? But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Think about that. Uh, that's what a great line. Okay, now a lot of people know that this is clearly a reference to the single eye within you. I mean, this is your pineal gland. It's I don't know how you could mistake that reference at all. The Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ, be entitled entitled the Lamb of God, is a precise reference to the constellation of Aries, the Ram, and its very important placement in the cosmic makeup of man and the zodiac man. Where is it? Okay, well you have your your single eye. You're right. Your that sort of thing. Within the skull exists what is widely understood, known as identified as the mystical third eye, and what often represents and what is termed in mystical literature as the seat of the soul. 
The gland centered within the cavity of the skull has long been known throughout the history of religious thought to be the place where enlightenment is achieved and where true spiritual waking is allegedly delivered and received. Right? So, and this is the this is the idea that Jesus died, went on the cross in Calgary and Golgotha and resurrected. Calgary, Golgotha is that's your skull. Okay? What is your Aries, your ram? It's your lamb. So it's, you know, this is Jesus coming along, you know, saying once again, purify the self. If the light of the body, the light of the body is the eye, the light of your body is the eye. Therefore, if the eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of what? God. Because what is God? God is light. This is your Aries, your ram, your head. This is, uh... This is what it's referring to. The single eye within that head. What do you think the Hindu Bindi is about? And what do you think Ash Wednesday is about? Why, once again, how many people go to Ash Wednesday and they put a cross on their forehead and have zero idea what the actual meaning of that is? You know, the spiritual meaning of that. You know, you're made in his image. That means the internal anatomy of your of you is obviously very, very significant, right? It's what's hidden. So... Um, and this is known as the, this is the, your organ of the hippocampus. It's allegedly um, there for uh, memory recall and stuff like that. I don't want to get into that. But anyway, uh, you can see it's very ram-like. It's, it's almost like the hippocampus looks like a pair of rams. And then, of course, we across the world, you see that that's exactly what it's referencing. The light of the body is the eye, the single eye within your head. If it's, you know, it's full of light, it's full of God. So when you, when you, you know, actually pinpoint these things, it helps make the rest of the story, the rest of the references in Jesus's story make sense, right? So once again, why was Jesus, die, why did he die and resurrect in Calgary or Golgotha? Okay. It's also a reference to the fact that the all-seeing eye of God, okay? If the eye be single, this is a reference to the fact that what? What is this? What is the all-seeing eye of God? It's the God that, um, you know, as it says, never slumbers nor sleeps. It's the God that is always present, always sees everything, sees every action, sees every thought, that sort of thing. If your eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If you're, just as Jesus is saying, if you're going through life and you're, and you're going to purify yourself and, con you know, that sort of thing, what you're ultimately doing is purifying this body so that your whole body will be full of God. This is a reference to the fact that what? God sees everything you're doing. So purify it. He knows what's best for you. He knows what you need. You just have to get in that way and that flow. Um, I don't have to go that. So then it says this. Um, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye, yea, and that is a reference that is a specific reference to Kanye West. Yea, cannot serve God and mammon. That was just a joke, by the way. Ah, uh, terrible joke. God and Mammon, there, this is, let's read from Pike again. Let's read from Pike again. Okay? Morals and dogma. There are two natures in man, the higher and the lower, the great and the mean, the noble and the ignoble. And he can and must, by his own voluntary act, identify himself with one or the other. Freemasonry is the continual effort to exalt the nobler nature over the ignoble, the spiritual over the material, the divine in man over the human. 
In this great effort and purpose, the chivalric degrees concur and cooperate with those that teach the magnificent lessons of morality and philosophy. Morality. The magnificent lessons of morality. Magnanimity, uh, mercy, clemency, a forgiving temper, or virtues indispensable to a character of a perfect knight. You cannot serve two gods. There are two natures in man, the higher and the lower, the great and the mean, the noble and the ignoble. The spiritual over the material. So let's go here. What did Jesus just say? He was basically saying, oh, do not lay up your treasures in earth where moth and dust doth corrupt. Lay your treasures in heaven where they are incorruptible. Because that is where the true reward happens. Okay, so that is, you know, this is this God and mammon. You cannot serve the two. You have to serve the higher. You have to serve the noble. You have to serve the spiritual. Okay. And then it ends, this ends this chapter. It says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Raiment is, of course, just your clothes essentially right take no thought for your life meaning this is this is the ultimate you know we'll, we'll say it like this it's the ultimate trust fall okay and jennifer and i are doing that right now as you guys know um we uh you know we we essentially shut down the site i just made a video on it i sent out emails and things like that we essentially shut down our site that we had opened for six years um i'll talk a little bit about that at the end but um, and that was really sort of the main source of one of the main sources of our in, income, but it wasn't, it just, you know, it was just too much of a behemoth to deal with and that sort of thing. So, you know, we, we thought about it for a while and then we just decided to shut it down and literally have put ourselves in God's hands. Like we, you know, we have essentially a, a lot of the money coming in from that site and now we don't have that. And so we literally just did a trust fall. And we've, Jennifer and I have done this numerous, numerous times in our life where we've literally just had to put our hands in something bigger and say, well, somehow this will work out. Why? Well, because we know that God, you know, if we do right by him, he's going to do right by us. He knows what we need. So, you know, um, this is really what it's saying is that like, you know, we spend so much, when we talk about the internal battles, and I can tell you this firsthand, <laughs> um, you know, the, the eternal battles that go on inside, how many times do we sit there and worry about money and, we, you, know, you know, that sort of thing. All of, all of those things that we constantly worry about, I know most people do, right? And it's one of the most difficult things. Um, and God is, this is Jesus giving you this message being like, you know, just be an upstanding person you know, live for God, live for the spiritual things and everything will take care of itself. You know, we don't, because we, because in the sense we don't have this direct communication with God where we can just ask him questions like, you know, like in a live chat and he'll just respond back. Right. The only thing that we can do is have faith and trust and then know that that thing is, you know, that I don't want to say that thing, but that being will take care of us. So take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Not yet. Does that mean you're just going to be a slacker and don't work or anything like that? No, clearly that's not what he's saying. You know, he's saying if you put the work in and you do the work and you have the faith, I, I know exactly what you need and you'll be taken care of. Um, 
and Jennifer and I have really been living that that creed for our in entire lives. And so we're like I said, we shut the website down. I'll I'll talk a little bit about that at the end here. And we just literally like I don't know what we'll be doing in another month or two. And I guess we'll just see that we'll you know we put our faith and hope in God, and hopefully the community will see that once again that this is this is worth it. Um, and that's that. And if that's not the case, then God wants us to do something else, and then I'll listen then. So Jennifer and I, just so you know, when I met her too, um, like I said, I don't like to talk about myself at all unless it unless it has to do with you know the the sermon. Um, but we never, you know, when we met, like I, I had said, like I, you know, we talked about this. And we just mentioned it the other night. Like we never pursued anything for money. Like I never once was like, well, if I do this, then I'll double my money, and then I'll get blah. Or if I take this job, then I'll get, you know, 50, 80 grand a year in a, another truck. And then, blah, you know, that sort of thing. We've never done that. Never. Like there were times, in fact, I actually said no to and many times in my life, many, many, many times I've said no to money because my integrity and dignity did said, no, you cannot do that. In fact, I'll give you another example. I, I was, uh, you know, Guy MTV. They offered to come. I don't know if you know it's Guy MTV. It's, it's a terrible site. It's new age galore, blah, blah, blah. Many, many moons ago, many years ago, they asked me to do a show. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll check it out. You know, I don't really have a good feeling about this. Whatever, I'll see what's up and I'll go there. And I went there and I found out that it is a big pile of garbage and I will never go to that site again, anything like that. It's just new age. They'll sell whatever. If they can just get your pocketbook open, they'll fill your head full of whatever goddamn nonsense they want in order to keep their little thing going that's not okay with me they they offered to you know was, oh we got a we got a puking dog <laughs> they offered thousand you know money and you know, more times to go over there and so i said no no i'm i guess i'll be without a few thousand dollars or whatever my integrity and my dignity will not allow me to do that we always sought internal fulfillment you know People even say now, they're like, you know, like, as you guys know, uh, you know, like, like I just said, like everybody's website and all that stuff's gone. Like we tell people how we live and they're like, well, I can't even believe you live like that. It's just like, well, we're, we're not here for material wealth. This is, that's that simple. It's that simple. Why? Well, before I was even like a Christian or reading the Bible and stuff like that, it just made sense to me. It just made sense to me that, and, and I knew that those things never made me happy, ever. So, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat. <laughs> Sorry, good puking dog here. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Not yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life, life more than meat. <laughs> you're, just not, you're, you're more than a meat stick. You're a spiritual body. You're a child of God. And if you follow God's will, the reward for you is something you can't even fathom. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Come on. Look at all. God saying, Jesus is saying, look. Your Father in Heaven is taking care of everything. This entire universe runs by His order. And you're worried that He's not going to take care of you. 
Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature, Matthew 6, 27 says. Okay, once again, what is this? What, what is a cubit? It's a reference to you and your perfection and your hands. A cubit is the length of your arm. Okay? What is that? Well, it's a reference to the mathematical reference to phi. So from your elbow to your wrist, essentially to your hand is 1.618, and your hand proportions out to one. It doesn't matter what unit of measure, you know, in that sense, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a proportion is what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, so boom, you know, like, uh, you know, what can you do by, by, ta- by thinking through all these things when God already knows what you need and all he's saying is get in alignment with me, what are you going to think, what kind of scheming and machinations are you going to do to, um, you know, add on to your life when God's given you what you need? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? What are you going to add another? God, when he did the math on my hands, he didn't do it right. We needed another finger on the left hand. (laughs) By the way, the city of God is a cube and it's measured with what? Cubits. Why? Because it's the measure of a man. That is, of the angel. And the city lieth foursquare and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's the cube, the salt of the earth, the corpus of the body, where the where the where heaven is, where where the kingdom of heaven is. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is, that is of the angel. O man, know thyself, and you shall know the universe and the gods. O man, know thyself. Know this perfected vessel that's made in the image of God. Know thyself and you shall know the universe and the gods. In other words, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? You're perfect. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Once again, he's basically saying, this thing is perfect. This thing is perfect. I went before I even said, let there be light. I thought all of this shit up and it's perfect. And here I go, blah, and now you're living it. What are you worried about? Let's read from Albert Pike again. I think he has, he has something to say about this, right? We can't possibly understand the beauty of God's order. Just like we can't possibly understand the gifts that were rewarded in heaven. We're told that all of the people, right? At least that this is, this is what we understand. Um, the most we can grasp and understand what the eternal life is or life after death, if we receive and, and get that reward is that, you know, we think that there's a separate, like, oh, but, you know, the, our relatives have died, or I had a child that died, or my grandpa died, or my mom died, or something like that, and I'm never going to see them again. That's not, that's not what is being said about eternal life. So, did you love your mother, and did your mother just recently died? Well, accordingly, she's not gone forever, because eternal life tells you that that's not true. So all these things that we'll miss, all the people that we'll miss and stuff like that, allegedly, we'll be reunited with all them at the end. And we can't even understand that 
because it's so glorious. God's design is so perfect, there's no way we can understand it. Here's Albert Pike again. Algebra applies to the clouds. The radiance of the star benefits the rose. No thinker would dare to say that the perfume of the hawthorn is useless to the constellations. Who then can calculate the path of a molecule? <laughs> By taking thought, can you add one, uh, you know, one cubit unto his stature? We are so limited in our mind. We cannot under possibly understand the glory of God and the perfection of this design and, and, and how it works. We can get intimations about the design and that sort of thing, but we can't possibly understand the glory of God. Who then can calculate the path of the molecule? How do we know that the creations of worlds are not determined by the fall of grains of sand? Who then understands the reciprocal, reciprocal flow and ebb of the infinitely great and the infinitely small? The echoing of causes in the abysses of beginning and the avalanches of creation. A flesh worm is of account. The small is great. The great is small. All is in equilibrium and necessity. There are marvelous relations between beings and things. In this inexhaustible hole from sun to grub, there is no scorn. All need each other. Light does not carry terrestrial perfumes into the azure depths without knowing what it does with them. Night distributes the stellar essence to the sleeping plants. Every bird which flies has the thread of the infinite in its claw. That's a person who recognize that this life is a is a is a poetic existence and that in order to get into the way into the flow of god do i have that here to flow with god that's how you understand it do you get into that way that alignment with god god's will his flow and then when you're in that way you go look up and like oh that's a song oh shit that's harmony Oh, that's perfect patterns. This isn't chaos. God knows he's literally deciding the course of every star and every celestial plant, you know, up there. And then we're so dumb to think that God's not going to take care of us. He made all that. Trust fall. Trust. God knows what you need. Um... That I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these, right? <laughs> it's like, it's basically just once again, this is poetry basically telling you that when he made his creation, it's perfect, okay? And there's a beauty, there's once again a poetry to it. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, clothe you? O ye of little faith. This is what faith really is all about. And this is why there's a substance to the faith if you if you live with it for so long. Like I said, there's when Jennifer and I, you know, when we first met and started living our lives, we both never pursued money, right? And most people be like, well, what am I going to, how am I going to retire and live and stuff like that? And that's the thing. And, you know, we've just lived with that faith for so long and that has turned into substance. We have a roof over our head. We, you know, I'm, I just took out, she, my wife just took out two steaks we're going to grill tonight. That's, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for. There's a substance. Do you hope for eternal life? Do you hope for something so glorious and beautiful that you can't possibly comprehend it? There's a substance to that. Have faith. 
You're made in the image of God. You're made in his great image. Um, let's move on. Let's call this baby. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Right? All these things, once again, the people that are, uh, in, in this sense, he's saying, like, look, you got you got to come to me, right? For your heavenly Father knoweth not, knoweth that ye need of all these things. Once again, it's repeating, like, God knows exactly what you need. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Just as I said, you start here and go out you don't give your alms out and be like, well, I gave 10% in this charity and I, I give, you know, my money to the Red Cross every year and blah, 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 blah. No, you start here and go out. Why? Because as we know, this is where God is. This is the Lord God, the Lord within you, the God above, and they're united. And this is why it's called the Lord God. And that's why the Lord God equals 26, Lord equals 13, and God equals 13. And what is the tetragrammaton, the hallowed name of God? What does that equal? 26. And what is it saying? That the spark of the divine is within you. It's the whole structure of Lord and God. Of course, Luke tells us this as well. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Why should we take no thought? Why should we not worry what we drink and be clothed and all these things? Why, why should we not? Then it, it ends up, it says this, Matthew 6, 34 ends the chapter. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take the thought, take thought for the things of itself. Tomorrow is going to take care of tomorrow. You take care of today. Sufficient until the day is the evil thereof. <clears throat> why should you not worry? Why should you put your trust fall? In God, because God is always with us. He is always present. And he takes care of his creation, his creations, you. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Matthew, the first chapter. What is it, what is it telling us? It gives the prophecy of Jesus being born. Then instead of fulfilling the, or, uh, continuing on, then it says this in the next verse. Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is comma. God with us. God is always with us. Once again, the Trinity tells us that as well. Hence, again, hence, I was a Trinitarian before I started this church and before I wrote this, you know, Lord Jesus Christ and all that sort of stuff. I was a Trinitarian. Why? Because I knew God was with me. It's exactly what the Trinity is. The past, the future, that which is, that which was, and that which is to come, as it says in Revelation, I think 1.8. Um, the destroyer of the past, the creator of the future, and the present, the present, Emmanuel is always with us. The present, the God, the gift, Christ, is always with us. So take no thought, don't worry, what should we eat or what should we drink or wherewith shall we be clothed? Don't live for the materiality, live for the spirit and God's, God will take care of it. It's, and, and for most people, for me, I'll, I'm not going to say most people, I will tell you, this is one of the hardest freaking things for me to do, personally. Yeah, I haven't conquered it yet, let's just say that. 
<laughs> right? I think I'm like, I'm, I'm probably like 98% at this point. And I'm going to get up to God and be like, well, I told you, you were worried about money too much. <laughs> so, right? Um, so, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. God will take care of it. You just got to do your work. You just have to have the faith. You have to stay strong in that in your spiritual life. And you're not putting your 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 faith in the hands of men. You're putting it into something so great that we can't even comprehend it. Let's end it with this one. Let's end it with some more Albert Pike. Duty is the moral magnetism which controls and guides the true Mason's course over the tumultuous seas of life. Whether the stars of honor, reputation, and reward do or do not shine, in the light of day or in the darkness of night, of trouble and adversity, in calm or storm, that unerring magnet still shows him the true course to steer. What is the unerring magnet? That's God. And indicates with certainty where away lies the port, which not to reach involves shipwreck and dishonor. There is an unerring magnet that if you have your, if duty is the moral magnetism, right? If you are living a life of duty, of righteousness, of, of pure morality, doing things once again because it's the right thing to do, not because you're going to get the freaking red carpet rolled out for you. You do it because it's the right thing to do. If you live that, there is an unerring magnet that will steer your course, right, to the, the, the docks of peace, your little vessel that's cast out in the tumultuous seas of life. If you stay your course with God, God is going to make sure that you're not going to get, you know, shipwrecked and all that sort of stuff out on the sea. He's going to make sure you get into port. He follows you. You are to follow that silent bidding as the mariner when land is for many days not in sight. And the ocean without path or landmark spreads all around him. When you're at the point, you're most vulnerable your most, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And you're looking out in your little stupid vessel at a tumultuous sea and no land in sight. Stay the course. Never doubting that it, <laughs> never doubting that it, that it points truly to the north to perform that duty, whether the port perform, <laughs> to perform that duty, whether the performance be rewarded or unrewarded is his sole care. It does not matter Though of the, this performance, there may be you no know, witnesses. Let me say that again. And it doth not matter, though of this performance, that there may be no witnesses. And though what he does will be forever no, unknown to all mankind. You, you perform that duty, once again, just as the Bible says. You do it because it's the right thing to do. It doesn't matter if there's literally no one there to see you. Guess who will be there to see you? All right, I think that's going to do it. Um, I think that's the best way to end that. Next week, um, I want to say this. Thank you all for being here. You guys are good bites. You guys are good, good bites. So, Jennifer, if you want to send me some super chats and all of that sort of good stuff, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, people, so much. I love you. You guys are good bards, is what I want to say. Good gut bards, right? And my time of the Pete there. If you would like to send a donation, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, that's the way that we keep going. Um, and you can become a subscribe star. Like I said, that we don't have members on the site anymore. Um, so if you have been a member, um, we we sent out a couple emails and I did a video and um, you know I'll talk about it in the next few live streams and stuff like that. If you have any issues, get back to us. Let us know. Um, I will say this. Um, here's um, snail mail too. I will say this too. I ended up I canceled some people from PayPal that were were subbing. And they got back to me and said that I wish I wouldn't have canceled them because most people that were signed up at the site were not using the site. They literally were just there to support. So if you haven't been canceled, you still have money coming out from the site and you don't want it, get back to us, let us know. We will take care of you 100%. I have money set aside for anybody that I need to reimburse or anything like that. You let us know, we will take care of you. 100%, okay, whatever it is. So um, so there's that. So if you do want to do uh, donations, once again, that's all on the new site, Marty, uh, excuse me, NasticAcademy.org. And it's just all the portals there. So, and like I said, um, we do subscribe star now. There are some people that signed up. If you do sign up, please put your name there or send me your name or something like that so I can thank you because I want to make sure I thank all the people that do sign up and can continue to um, allow me to do this, allow us to do this. Um, it means so much to us. So uh, I want to say thank you to all the people last week. Lucy Short, John Vena, John Vena, Truth Sika, Virginia Murray, uh, Dear Horth, Mr. Weiss, who's who's just having a blast in Mexico right now. Alicia Crawford, Auntie Jake, get those tacos hot. We're coming to see you. I'm bringing this. I'm bringing some ciders. Shannon Seal, Magical Steven, LNC, Agape, Carrie Musgrave, Gen X rated, Lindsay Chapman, Lindsay Chapman. Thank you so much um, for all your love and support. We really appreciate it. Jennifer, can't wait to go to Portland and get an Ashiatsu massage from you, which is at sacredtouchpdx.com. That's Lindsay Chapman's new site. She's got a new business. So if you're in that area and you want a good massage, go over to Miss Chapman. Thank you, Lindsay. Mark Brotherson, thank you. Eric C., Observer, Jeremy Hines, Interverse, and Jen Brew, the pious. Dave Messenger, Gavin, uh, Angie A., Andrew Masonette, Stella, and Krupa. Polly Mathing, great name. B Mustard, love you, brother. I see you. Bobby96, looking forward to seeing you again, maybe in the next month or so. Horace, Marty H., you're the man, dude. Small Axe, thank you so much. Rachel Whitaker, and, um, Adrian Mark, Daniel Hager, thank you so much for the support. Michael S., thank you so much for the support every month uh, that you do, and thank you for buying the new. Um, USB package and things like that. We really appreciate that. Robin Cruley, Prognostic, uh, JM Grassi. Did I already say that? No, you get two if I did. Um, <laughs> Javier Mujica, Karen B, Jay Stein. Jay Stein, love you, brother. Will and Susie, thank you guys so much. Whiskey and Nathan Baton, thank you. Whiskey, uh, we got your you, we got your little package here of your nice note. Oh, I just dropped something. That's okay. I'll pick it up later. Your nice note and uh, your donation and your and your candle and everything. It's so sweet. Thank you. We're actually looking forward to. We want to drive down and get uh, dinner with you at some point. So we'll do that. Thank you to Content Safe. Uh, you can get it. Um, this live stream is now on BitChute and Rumble, and we'll be getting it up on Odyssey one of these days. We are streaming to YouTube Rockfin, and apparently we're streaming to Odyssey now which is uh, amazing. We are also available on the Flat Earth app. You can go to the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app, and you can get that on Google Play, and you can get the Sunday sermons there. That's the best way to get them. So, um, so yes, let me just say this as well. We're a tiny church, okay? We're a tiny church, and we're uh, we're gonna we're you know we're just gonna. 
um, do what we can, you know, moving forward. Um, we had to shut down the site because it was just costing too much and there was not enough people on there to keep it up and running and people don't visit websites anymore and that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're, we basically have about three to 400 people that watch this, this Sunday sermon every Sunday, but that's between the podcast, the different platforms and stuff like that. Um, as far as the analytics are concerned, lots of people click on it, but there's about three to 400 people that watch and actually pay attention to what we do here. And so moving forward, we're not going to try to put our, you know, our, you know, reach out to everybody. We're going to focus on the people that want to be here, that actually pay attention, that actually are here. And once again, see the value in what we do. And we're going to do that as long as we can. And then we can't do that anymore. We can't do it anymore. That's just it is what it is. So God will provide, though. God will provide. So we are not worried. And I also want to say thank you to Marty Hum. <laughs> You're the man, dude. <laughs> he spent... Five hundred and ninety dollars on things. So, and so he has the milkman of the north. I think we're gonna make mugs with the milkman of the north, and then the the name of the name of the church and like the cipher and stuff on one side. I think we're gonna do that um, just to keep going with the joke. So, Marty Helm, you're the freaking man, dude. Seriously, thank you so much. It's hilarious and awesome, and uh, thank you for the support. I really mean. I really. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, on GnosticAcademy.org, there's a lot of changes there. It's a way simplified site. It's basically just a portal to find the videos and that sort of thing. All of the archives we're not going to put on the web. It's just what it is. Marty Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour is not on the web. All the old videos, not really on the web. Um, we're going to focus on the people that, that actually want the content and that are, you know, want to support. So we do have a USB um, archives and that has um, everything on it, really. Uh, all the um, the sermons from this year, all the podcasts from this year, the Manly Palmer Hall lecture series, this is just all included on the USB. You're actually just buying the USB. You're not buying any of this stuff. So anyway, that's a legal thing. Marty Leeds books, uh, the PDF. So that includes uh, all the books, um, Pi, Pi and T, volumes one through three. Um, Pi, the great work is on there, the original PDF of that. Um, all the new books, Scripture of the Stars, Lord Jesus Christ, um, Unanimous Redeck is all on there. The documentaries got about eight, nine documentaries I want to say on there. Mathematical Radio Hour, all 289 episodes of the MP3s, and then all the MP4s, um, all the miscellaneous lecture videos, highlights, shorts, all that sort of stuff. All the uh, music albums, I think I have 12 on there now, music albums, MP3s, all of those, and then music MP4s of you know me playing and stuff like that. It's essentially my life work, and I think we're selling it for like 210 bucks or something. So, And it's a heap load of wisdom. So, and, um, so for those that are interested in that, I also am doing, uh, we put a package together of four signed, cover, uh, signed hardcover books, and we've got those. And so we'll set, we'll get those shipped here, sign them, and then send them out to you. And so we've got that package together as well. And so, yeah, that's great. So if anybody wants to, once again, support what we do here, we appreciate it. So um, what is this? Oh, next week we're going to do uh, the Sword in the Stone. So that's, that is what we will do next week. And I have, a, oh, my God, I've got some surprises for you. And it's awesome. It's hilarious. Anyway, we're going to do a de-occulting of the movie The Sword in the Stone. And it will probably be, I'm not going to toot my own horn or anything like that. It will probably be one of the best live streams that I've done in a very long time. It is going to be jam freaking packed. And we have some uh, <laughs> some surprises for you too. So anyway, so that is awesome. Okay. Marcus Boone wants to be friends with you. Oh, okay. Donations. Thank you, baby. Okay. Magical Stevens bought two coffees. Thank you so much, Magical Stevens. Another amazing sermon. Blessings, Brother Marty. Thank you so much. Ruth Scott. 
Great insights, bought three copies. Great insights from the teachings as always. Thank you, Marty and Jen. We have been catching your Sunday message live these days and my husband and children are even interested now. I'm trying to clean up, by the way, I, I know people like, whatever, just do what you're gonna do. I am trying to clean up the swearing a little bit because I know that really this service is not for children. It's not, I told you guys that, right? Like the stuff we covered is just not for children. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there that they do have their children listen and I'm really, uh, there's nothing I can do about that, so whatever. But So I, I appreciate that, and so I'm going to try to clean it up so it is easier for you know more people to listen to, okay? So that is something I am working on, as you guys know. But man, do I still fuck that up, don't I? Okay, good. Anyway, really looking forward to the Sword and the Stone, and we have been waiting for the Hamsa for a few weeks. That will probably be the next one after Sword and the Stone. We'll do the, the Hamsa. Apparently, there are more and more Christians these days claiming that not only are burning sage, crystals, and tarot cards evil, but the Hamsa is a well, I know. I know. Ruth Scott. I know. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. These poor unfortunate souls. So, so much love and joy to you. You are a magnificent treasure. Thank you so much. Mark Brotherson, 1333. Andrew Mason at $10. Allison Flynn bought you three copies. Agape bought five copies. Shannon Seal bought five copies. Let's get this party started. Love the Gospel of Matthew. Thank you. Uh, happy rising, friends. Much love to you all. Jeremy Hines tipped 20 bucks. Amen. Love you. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Stella! Gratitude for knowledge and community. Ben and Stella, thank you so much. The Truth Seeker for great stuff today, as always. Thank you so much. Small Axe, great sermon again. Thank you for all your good work. Marty and Jen, awesome. Alicia Crawford, 50. Thank you so much, Alicia. So It's always good to see you. Gavin, thank you so much. $7. Payment from Auntie Jake. Get those tacos hot, all right? Like I said, we're going to bring some wine, maybe some cider. We're going to have ourselves a hoot and a holler. Looking forward to getting down to Missouri and seeing some friends. So uh, Danny and Till uh, says, thanks. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Bought a coffee. Horace tipped $5. Look at you, Mr. Horace. I know you. Best sermons I've ever heard spoken with wondrous melody. David Jet X, thank you so much. Five coffees. Rachel Carpenter, good to see you again. $20. Um, polymathing 369 what does that mean Mr. Polymathing 369 love and gratitude thank you so much Matthew Kwitzkowski is that how you say that Kwitzkowski tip $2 Jeremy Hines $20 I appreciate the journey you're all taking your faith is beautiful Chad Kilgore 777 and we have four new subscriber stars um yeah we're hoping to get the subscriber star going um you know in the ne it's going now but hopefully get you know 50 to 100 people on there to support you know every month and so that we can keep this going because that's you know that's really what it takes so um so thank you everybody that has supported let me say hi to you beautiful people here where is everybody um like i said next week we're going to be doing the sword and the stone and that's going to be awesome it's really going to be good. So, okay, that's going to do it. Sorry for the long live stream today. I really appreciate everybody. And um, I just want to say thanks to, to Will and Susie that have kept the site going for all the years and things like that. And, you know, it really does kind of, it's kind of a bummer that we can't, you know, can't push that over the, the edge and get it, you know, more people signed up and that sort of thing. But it is what it is. You know, the world sort of moves on and we have to just sort of, you know, do what we have to do. So, we're really appreciative of everybody that's signed up and Will and Susie that have kept that going for as long as it has. Um, it's just, uh, we feel very, very blessed, you know, and we're, it's a big change moving forward. And like I said, we're putting our, our faith in um, something bigger. 
you know, so, and we're just going to do it. So anyway, thank you guys so much. We will see you next Sunday. If you get a chance, stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org. And like I said, there's the video portals are there and USB drives and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to give a, a, you know, a gift and that sort of thing, that's a great way to do that. Okay. Enough of my freaking rambling. Guys. Oh, wait, wrong one. May you always keep yourself, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord jesus christ onto eternal life may his grace be with you all amen all right i'm gonna see you guys next week we're gonna listen to a song another chris whitley song called breaking your fall off a record called hotel vast horizon great record great tune chris whitley fantastic all right i will see you guys on the flip side next sunday all right as always many blessings and much love to all